0: Hey, oh yeah, oh yeah. Hey, we ain't playing no games with this one. Oh, hey. Ooh, ooh, killer, East ooh. Coast killer. Low, so yeah. cold, so chiller. Go get a coach chinchilla. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And welcome back to The Collabcast, a podcast about the creative life from an Asian-American perspective. My name is Marvin Yeh, and um, we're still on hiatus mode here at The Collabcast, um, which is why you haven't heard from us for the last couple of weeks. Um, But I did want to share this interview that we recorded a while ago with Mike Golomko, one of the co-writers of the hit Netflix original movie, Always Be My Maybe. Um, He co-wrote the movie along with his friends, Ali Wong and Randall Park. Mike is a friend of collaboration. He actually was a panelist at our very first first Collaboration Empower Creative Leadership Conference, um, speaking on our writing panel um, alongside Ali Wong. Um, this was near months before the release of Baby Cobra and her rise to stardom, um, so we are very lucky to have both of them at our conference. I chatted with Mike about the movie, about his journey becoming a Hollywood writer, and his hopes for the Asian American uh, entertainment community. But yeah, thanks again for tuning in and here is our interview with Mike. So hey Mike, welcome to the Collabcast. How are you doing, man? I'm
1: fantastic. Thanks for uh thanks for having me on. Uh No problem. Yeah.
0: It, how's it been for you? Um I mean, the movie's been out for uh, a couple of weeks at this point how have you been taking in the community's response
1: uh it's been a whirlwind you know just like a lot of people like really responding in the movie you know on social media and beyond like i'm really glad that people are into it and you know um they're they're uh they're really responding to you know feeling like people have been saying like we feel seen you know which is a nice <laughs> feeling you know i mean like it's good it's good to feel seen. <laughs> you know? so anytime we can make people feel seen, uh we, we are happy to do it.
0: Yeah. I know you went to a bunch of the, the theater premieres.
1: Yeah, I mean like it was fun that and that <clears throat> like the premiere for this for our maybe was at the uh uh was at the Bruin uh in uh or actually was the Fox? It was the Fox in Westwood, which is pretty amazing because we, you know, this is, we went to school at UCLA, just like right up the street, like me, Randall, Allie. Um, so, you know, like it's, it, it was kind of a trip to uh, be in a theater in Westwood with their, them up on the marquee and, you know, tons of our friends there, um, you know, all getting a chance to, you know, see this movie and celebrate it. And, you know, it was just a nice kind of homecoming, you know? So I was like, my favorite part of it. Uh, and I'm glad that people, you know, people liked it. Uh,
0: yeah. So the last time we saw each other was when you spoke at our first Empower conference back in 2015. Mm. You were on our first writers panel along with Ali Wong. Oh uh, yeah. And since then, you've been you've been very very busy. How has it been? seen? all like because you've been in the industry for for a long time. So you've you've, sure, you've yeah. So you've had like a front row seat to basically all the all the progress is made especially since you spoke out in power there's been a lot of stuff happening what are your thoughts on how the community's come about in the last few years
1: well i think like it really like crazy rich asians really like galvanized um the community and a lot of people like you know did did a great thing and that like you know people began to see the possibilities you know and now it feels like people are really embracing those possibilities and you know, making a lot of things. And there's so many great, great things coming in the pipeline. And like, you know, there are a lot of projects out there that people really are like, wow, this has like a real chance uh, to get made and to get seen. And so, you know, a movement started, right? And the movement continues. And it's super exciting to be a part of that and uh, to see uh, people, you know, like actually saying, hey, you know, maybe I can make a go of this. Maybe I can write for a living. Maybe I can get my thing made. Maybe I can get my movie made. Maybe maybe I can get like, my pilot um, out there, uh, they're seeing that they're real, very real uh, opportunities. And that's super exciting. You know, the stuff, you know, years ago, uh, who would have thought? Uh, but it's feeling like there's an inevitability about it, which is really, really interesting.
0: Yeah. You're a bona fide writer in the industry now. Like, You're working with amazing people like Taika, YTT, and Nina and right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nina's great. Pipe is great. Like you know, I mean, like I just love working with really good people. You know, that are that are good people. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, and um, you know, it's just a real. I don't know. I mean, like, it, it, there's a point when like it stops being like a daydream and it becomes your job. And uh, yeah. you're like, damn, I got to get to work. <laughs> you know, I need to like <laughs> <laughs> stuff I got to do. So, you know, it is it is really exciting, but at the same time it's like, hey, we got we got work to do, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean for the young people coming up, um, they can point to you and say, you know, there's someone like me doing something that I want to do. Uh, but I imagine, you know, when you were starting out, it was it was a lot harder, you know. Asian American role models were probably a lot harder to come by. And I know you were part of that the theater group that Randall uh, started, right. um Lapuda Cares. Yeah. When You were starting out, I, I know, you know having peers is a, a, a big part of that. How did you, do you find the motivation to like decide this is what you wanted to do?
1: Well, I, I think back, back in LCC, when we were all in college, like um, one of the things was um, we, we were, we were tasked, we tasked ourselves with writing original material, right? We weren't um, going to license plays and perform them. Our, our goal was to write new material and put them up, put this material up. Uh, you know it's a quarter-based system at UCLA, so every 10 weeks. Write new material, get, up, get it up on its feet in front of an audience, right? And I think that that cycle, of doing that like, you know, three quarters out of the year, like, and the then year after year after year, you learn uh, a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about the process, not just the writing process, but actually producing things. And like the fact that you're creating original material, it gets you into the mindset of okay, look, if it doesn't exist out there in the world, we have to make it, right? We have to create the thing. And so uh, we've taken that philosophy, you know, and, and uh, we had that philosophy all, all of our lives since like constantly writing and creating material. Like that's essentially how Randall got started, right? Like doing uh, yeah. videos for channel one Oh one, right. Like, uh, you know, like all this stuff, he, no one was paying him to do this stuff. No one was like, Hey, here's money. Go make a thing. He was like, <laughs> I'm going to go make a thing, you know? And he made it. Um, And I think at that time, um before he was making this stuff like people were like the town didn't know what to do with him you know they're like how do we cast this guy like what parts you know do you put him in what kind of show do you put him in we have no idea so he essentially by making things and putting them out there he he showed the town what to do and what he was capable of and from then it was like okay fresh off the boat right that completely makes sense and you know, like Asian gym, yeah, that totally makes sense, right? Like all yeah. these things, the town started to get it, and at that time it was like, oh, of course, this, this absolutely makes sense. And like um, once like something that you're in becomes a hit, then it's like, okay, this guy is um, this guy is bona-, bona fide, they can get it, he can get it done. you know, Allie's the same way, right? She was doing stand-up constantly. I remember like. It was one night where like we were hanging out and like it was around 1130. People were starting to go home and she's like, okay, I'm going to go. And like, everyone's was like, okay, we, you know, see you later. Uh, where are you headed? She's like, I'm going to go do stand up right now. Right. And I was <laughs> like, are oh, you, are you what? I'm going to sleep. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean, and, like, but that's her thing. Yeah. Like going out there, like getting it up in front of people, like making the thing happen night after night, after night, showing the town what you can do. You know, so they know, okay, this person, we know what they can do. We know how to use them. They're bankable, right? And then you get to the point where they're doing, you know, we, 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 come, we come up with like always, we you know, maybe. And it's like, okay, they can create something completely on their own. And it's bankable, you know. So it's that thing. If you, you have to show the town what you're capable of so they know what they can do, what it can do with you. And to do that, you got to create stuff.
0: So, what about you, Mike? You know, tell us about your hustle and how you came from, you know, writing plays for LCC to now writing movies with, you know, the director of Thor Ragnarok. Uh,
1: well, like the the bridged version is that, like after college, I was like, I think I'm going to write a full length play. No one was paying me to do that. No one told me to do it. I, I was just like, I'm just going to do it because I want to do it. So I did that. I wrote a full length play, and then I got this thing called the uh, source Sourcebook. Back then, it was like. You know, it's like a phone book kind of thing. Like you, it shows you all the theaters that are, that have open submission policies. So I sent it to whichever theaters, any theaters that would read it, you know. And two weeks later, I was doing a reading that one of them called me, uh, and it was like, Hey, we want to do a reading of this in New York. So they flew me to New York and like I did a reading of it and I was like, okay, it's not just LCC stuff now that I can write for. I, I actually can make a go of this playwriting thing. So I was writing plays, getting them produced at bigger and bigger theaters like, you know, Victory Gardens in Chicago, Second Stage in New York, uh, the Geffen here in L.A. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the thing about theater is that there isn't any money in it. There's no money in it. Right. <laughs> I mean, like there's this adage, which is I think it's pretty true. Um, uh, see, like movies and television are rich people entertaining poor people. Right. Theater uh-huh. is poor people entertaining rich people. You know what I mean? I mean it's like right. just constant like, you know, you're you're struggling as an actor, you're struggling as a playwright, you know, you're you're just trying to get your work out there. And I was like, I need to make money because like, you know, it's sustainability <laughs> that's important. And commercial success is also important too, because this is a capitalist society. People vote with their dollars, yeah. right? And it's important for the town like Hollywood and for this industry to see that the stuff that we generate cre- like, generates money, you know? It, 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 like like money, isn't, money isn't everything. The work doesn't necessarily – there's some art that is there for art's sake. It doesn't need to generate money. That's not its purpose, right? But there's mm-hmm. also something to be said for things that are commercially successful because then they show studios, okay, I can get behind this. I can get be behind this actor. Yeah. I can get behind this <laughs> this property I can get behind this writer because we will make money you know and that's a powerful thing too uh so anyway yeah. like <laughs> I got into writing television like I, I wrote like uh like uh I, I, I signed with a new manager and our goal was specifically uh this is Dan Halstead management um and he's so my manager's great right? uh he ripped a lot of playwrights that are like uh now killing it in Hollywood uh so yeah. uh yeah I wrote a um I wrote two pilot scripts uh, we sold one of them right away. I got a blind deal off another one. Uh, I staffed Grimm for a few years, which is really fun. Uh, I love the people there. and I you know, just love working on a Network show. I learned the ropes that way. And uh, that was essentially it, just like constantly writing. Like writing will solve most of your problems. It won't solve <laughs> your uh, it won't solve your emotional problems. It won't solve your relationship problems. It's not gonna get you love right in in the real sense of love. But it will solve your financial problems if you're good. Like, if you keep writing and get better and better and better, uh, people will see that. Like, reps, like people are like, when do you get an agent? And I'm like, an agent will find you. You know? Like, <laughs> your reps will find you because they'll see that you have the capability to make money for them and they want that money. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. you know, it'll almost be automatic. Like, uh, just keep writing and uh, submit to contests, submit to uh, the fellowships, like the, you know abc disney uh cbs all of the writers fellowships in town uh, warner brothers uh submit to hbo anyone that will read it and uh you know you just want to keep writing and keep making headway and then look like if you're lucky and if you work hard uh it'll happen i'm pretty sure <laughs> you know so yeah, yeah that's that's essentially it that's the abridged first. <laughs> and then, like There's a scenic version, which takes hours to (laughs) go through.
0: I mean, I sense a theme with all of you, you know, you, Randall and Ali. At some point, you decided that this creative life was what you wanted to do. And you just went for it and you did it. And you didn't wait for people to give you permission to, which is, I think, really hard sometimes, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, look, like having a peer group and having your tribe there, like your day one friends, You know, your day one friends who are out there, like, working hard and, like, trying to make their, you know, make their mark. One is that it shows you, um, one is that you can help each other, right? You can help each other. You can read each other's work. um, You can work with each other and get involved. Like, Randy and I made it, and Hugh Ho, who is now our business partner, like, uh, we made a short film called Dragon of Love. Uh, You know, we, like, it becomes kind of like they are your team. You know, like you can always fall back and, you know, commiserate with them. And, you know, when you're in the wilderness, it's tough. Right. But when you're in the wilderness together, it's easier. You know, it's still (laughs) going to be a tough journey, but doing it alone really sucks. You know, so find people, find your tribe, you know, and grow with them. Yeah, that's that's a key, I think.
0: Yeah, one of the members of my podcast tribe, Ada Sang, introduced me to a lot of Randall's early shorts, and I remember Mm -hmm. seeing Dragon of Love, and you you all were doing some weird and amazing stuff back then.
1: (laughs) Yeah, weird (laughs) especially, like, we love the weird, (laughs) you know, because life is weird sometimes, you know, things just kind of happen, and you're like, okay. But yeah, yeah, it's that, it's that kind of like, um, but we did these things together, you know, and it's i think it's that togetherness you know and i think that tone of togetherness which you know i feel like our community and not just i'm not talking about just randall allie and i um but like our larger asian american community um my hope is that we continue that tradition of togetherness and that we you know we we like uh we crack through that glass together because you know, we are not interested in raising our own vote, right? You want to raise the tide. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the goal. Raise the tide. <laughs> uh, and, like, it, you know, however we can do that, uh, you know, we want to do that.
0: Yeah. It sounds like what you all did with OCC, like having both write, act and produce. You're giving experience to those of us who probably didn't have institutional ways to, of getting that. And... <laughs> I think it's really awesome that you yourself have also, you know, held the torch for Asian American um, stories representation in the industry for a long time. I I didn't watch a lot of Grimm, but you know, you had the um that one episode with the with the Filipino uh, yeah, the like vampire monster. Yeah, like, yeah,
1: that was great because that was written by my friend Brenna Kauf and Brenna's great, mm-hmm. great writer. Um, and one of the things that like I really we we got together on that show and worked on that episode and worked hard on it make sure that it was as authentic as we could possibly make it, you know, because people deserve that, you know, Uh, they deserve to like, like, look, legends are subjective. They're different from person to person, but the core of the legend and where it comes from and honoring that, you know, it it lets people know, like Filipino people know that, Hey, your stories matter, right? They matter enough for a uh, huge uh, network, NBC, to create an hour of television based on your legend. Your story matters. So, you know, I, we really, I, like, for that particular episode, like, you know, it came down to language, right? Aswang. Is, what's the plural of aswang? Is it aswangs, right? Or is it oswang? So I called my mom up. Called my mom and I'm like, hey, mom, uh, aswang, is it, when you pluralize it, is it like you add an S to it? Is it? Or is it like deer, right? I saw a bunch of deer. You don't say I just saw a bunch of deers. You know, it's just like, no, it's not Swang, you know, no S. And that made it into the script, of course, because we wanted to make sure that in the language and the specificity of the language and how it's used, right? That's the thing. You know, that's the thing. You got to be clear yeah. about language. You got to be clear about the specificity. You got to use it right in order to honor it, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah, that was one of the key things. And, you know, I love working on GRIP. I loved like, there, and there was obviously like a point where we kind of ran out of grim fairy tales, to, you know, <laughs> got into like, you know, eventually we're like, do we do the talking sausage one or do we not, you know, what we, we're out of these, we gotta, we gotta expand to other cultures and, you know, and that made it really like, really fun, you know, um, so Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And I mean that specificity. You can also see that in your script for Always Be My Maybe. I think writing that way is something that you know, as I guess marginalized people, you can't help but right because you you notice all the things that aren't specific when you when when you're watching like shows made for general public. And um, I, I think I think it's awesome that you all are deciding to be specific.
1: Yeah, it feels like, and this is like a growing mantra in in, in Hollywood right now that the specificity leads to universality. And it's a weird kind of, like, it almost feels like, uh, you know, it, it feels contradictory, right? Like being super specific would just, like, you know, reduce your audience. But it's actually the opposite. Because when you show people very specific things about another person's culture, right, or, like, how they grew up or, you know, a big thing is, like, you know, that people have noticed in the movie is that the girls taking their shoes off carrying them in the house, putting them back on the backyard. And a lot of people felt like, wow, like I totally get that. I totally did that. You know, that amount of specificity, it leads to a human detail, right? It leads to a human detail that people pick up, which is like, this house has rules. Okay. This house has rules. this is one of the rules. And when you enter this house, like you have to follow this rule, but it's a rule that, I think like you grow up with it's part of your family. But you tell people when they come to your house, hey, this is how we do things here. You know what I mean? And for people yeah. to get that from a movie visually, it's not brought up in dialogue. They just see it. They understand it. They felt they feel seen. It leads to this universal feeling of like, wow, okay, people took my story and they're willing to and they gave it to the masses, right? They told it to the masses so that they could know me too. You know, that is the part yeah. that makes it universal. You know, when you see how a family works and you see that, hey, if you're not Asian, right, you understand that this is part of their family. And it reminds me of the rules in our house, in, in our family. Right. <laughs> so those things, they connect us a very spe- specific, tiny detail, which we all live with. And now we can discuss and you know, talk about it with non-Asian people, our friends and neighbors, and they can understand us a little bit better right? That's the universal part. And it leads to the discussion of like, why the fuck don't you people take off your shoes? Take off your shoes. You know? <laughs> why do you people not take yeah. off their shoes in other houses? That doesn't make sense. You know, I'm not, I'm not judging. I'm not judging. And I'm not saying you have to, I'm not saying you have to, but just think about, just think about this. <laughs> just think about like the logic I know. of it, right? Like I know. what if you step in dog I'm... shit, right? <laughs> what do you step in dog <laughs> shit? And like, you're walking around your house and do- with dog shit, You know, I mean, like, wouldn't it be better to take off your, I don't know, whatever, do whatever you want. But like, that's my thought. (laughs) Anyway, uh, yeah. So when you bring these details and specificities out, you put them into a movie that millions of people will see all over the world. We can talk about them, you know, we can talk about them and we can disseminate them. And, you know, we can laugh about them and, you know, really get to know each other. You know, and I think that that's really that's what it comes down to with storytelling. Right. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you a story about what happened to me today. Oh, my God, it was crazy. Or, oh, my God, it was funny. (laughs) Or, oh, my God, this really affected me. And when you hear that from your friend, you know, you know them a little bit better and you can share your stories, too. Right. So it becomes a dialogue. So I think that that's where we're headed with all of this stuff to finally get all these specific details about Asian Americans out into the world. So that other Americans can understand us better. You know, I, I think that that's, that's, um, that's the real get for all this, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. the real, that's one of the wonderful things about
0: this. Like speaking of specificity, like my favorite part, one of those things where like I noticed, but I wasn't sure if it was intentional or mm-hmm. if it just happened. But um, during the restaurant scene with Keanu Reeves, where he goes like to the bathroom and pays for uh-huh. the bill.
1: Right. I've, I pull that move all the time, right? Who who doesn't yeah. pull that move? It's, it's easy. And then you don't have to fight for the thing. Because when you're fighting yeah. for the thing, it's like really what what it comes down to is like you're fighting for the bill and you're really, I don't know, it's the pain in the ass. So, of course, you're going to go to the, I got to go to the men's room, guys. And then you catch the waiter <laughs> and you're like, hey, man, like, let me get this. Here's my car. Right. I mean, that's a classic Asian move. Uh, (laughs) Right. (laughs) So yeah, it's definitely, that's definitely one of those plays. That definitely was intentional because it is a power move too. Right. It's a bit of a power move. Right. Yeah. Uh, And like when, when you do it, like I do it, I, when I do it, I'm like, I'm doing a power move right now. These people are going to be so impressed. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking when I'm doing it. So I'm confessing that right now on this (laughs) for you and for the Uh, world. So If you (laughs) just kidding, but seriously, like you know, that's that's one of those things, right?
0: When I'm doing it, I'm more like I'm winning. I've won this battle before it's even being You know.
1: But you know, that comes with the the um, flip side of where okay, you have to when people are fighting you for for the bill, just give it up after a while. Give it up. Let them pay for it. Yeah. You got some free food, okay. That's the American dream (laughs) to get free food. You know what I mean? And like a free lunch is always like, it's part of our nomenclature, right? I got a free lunch. No one gets a free lunch. Yeah. You know? So I found it's more, it more, it more comes down
0: to, <laughs> I found it more comes down to like power structure. Like if it went to my parents, yeah, I give up after a while. But when it's my peers, I'll fight more, you know? Uh, I'll try to it, win I that. don't
1: care anymore. <laughs> I'm just like, good, pay for it. Good. I don't even, like, my, I'm, I'm going to be the only Asian person in the world now that will not pay a bill for a I'm just like, you guys take care of this. Thank God, you guys are here. <laughs> I don't want to pay for
0: my food anymore. Uh, but yeah. Well, the film is really funny. It's amazing. Um, congrats thanks. on all the success. Thanks um, so much. I guess before we go, I guess I just want to ask: What are your hopes for the next few years for you know Asian American film? You know, and you're uh, you're a big part of it. You have you know a bunch of big projects coming up. Um, but just from around you, like seeing what's going on. Yeah,
1: I, I just want to see. Um, I would just love to see more dialogue, you know, inside of our community. I think we'll get there. And I think that there will be a lot of different voices that will appear and, and like people will be working on their own things and pushing in their own direction. And I think like, you know, you'll feel like kind of like an amoeba, you know, that's put people like sides of it are pushing in different directions, but the thing is expanding in lots of different ways. Um, let's not be afraid to uh, make mistakes. Let's not be afraid to, take risks because that's okay. I mean, like, failures are okay. You will learn from them. Uh, no one is perfect. Uh, we can't hold ourselves to some crazy standard where it's like, oh, my God, it's got to be so good. It's got to be so good or, like, you know, I'm going to, you know, let's not do that. Let's just tell these stories because the stories already are good. You know what I mean? you got to tell yeah. them, right, and tell them, you know, with heart and, and energy and love. And, like, the stories are already great. It's like the food. The recipes are already great. Let's just make the food with love and energy and heart and like it, everything will be fine. You know? Uh so yeah, I, I think like there'll be expansion, there'll be anxiety and dread that comes with that expansion. Uh but uh I think, you know, that those are good problems to have and like just keep our heads screwed on tight and do the right thing and uh, you know, it'll be great.
0: Yeah. Well, we've been talking with Michael Omco one of the co-writers cool of always be my maybe you're killing it mike Thanks. and well, we're so so happy for as you <laughs> long As as
1: long people pay me money i will continue to write stuff i'll write stuff <laughs> if they don't pay me money but like i want them to pay me money so like, <laughs> you know yeah, it like it's, it's nice it's it's really nice to uh you know be doing the work and you know getting stuff out there and like yeah it's it's a real it's a real joy you know, and the money is great yeah. too. <laughs> because sustainability is great, right?
0: Yeah. Making art's not free. So, you know, at some point right. you gotta you gotta, you know, be able to pay pay yourself. Yeah, it's
1: like the Joker uh, said, right? If you're good at something, don't do it for free. You know? So he's yeah. good at trying to kill a Batman. I'm good at like writing stuff. So you know, yeah. you gotta pay us. You know what I
0: mean? Yeah. Yeah. You gotta gotta know what you're worth. Right. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for chatting with us. And hey, um, thanks for having me. Congrats on the movie, and good luck with all your all your future endeavors. I know you're you're very busy, and um, we look forward to um, what you have coming up next.
1: Thanks, thanks. Take care. Thanks for having thanks me. A
0: lot. And that was our interview with Mike Lamko, the co-writer of the Netflix original movie Always Be My Maybe. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy our chat. And on that note, that'll do it for this episode of the CollabCast. As always, the CollabCast is a program of collaboration, a nonprofit organization supporting Asian Americans in the arts and entertainment. Discovering, elevating, showcasing, and connecting the creative talents of the Asian American community. You can learn more about our program by going to the website www.collaboration.org Uh special thanks again to Uzuhan for use of us on Uzuhan for this episode's intro and outro. This episode also marks our two hundredth collab cast. Uh, Originally, we wanted to do something extra special for this episode, but because we are in hiatus mode, uh, we'll probably save that very special episode for the future where we come back to a more regular schedule. So, please stay tuned. Um, But yeah, and a heads up we'll probably have another episode next couple weeks. Uh, We'll be talking with some people from the upcoming Netflix original series, Wu Assassin. So, uh, keep on the lookout for that. Um, And for the Cloudcast, my name is Marvin Yue, and we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone.